Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Listen to the Believe in Vikings podcast with B-Mac and Baker. This is Believe in Vikings, and it's an edition that would happen to be the 4-5 and five edition of Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker, and I'm here with Super Bowl champion Bryant McKinney. Bryant, how are you? Good, sir. I'm doing pretty good in this fine week after another win. Yeah, another one, three in a row. Uh, tonight, we also have with us Mike from Wisconsin. And a little disclaimer to listeners, this is the first guest that I know personally. So there's a little bit of insider trading going on. This gentleman has sat next to me for four years religiously at U.S. Bank Stadium for almost every Vikings game. So I invited him on the show. Mike, what up? Hey, good to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, excited for tonight. So thank you very much. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we got a ton to get into, and um, I can, Bryant can tell you that these shows are a lot more fun when we win. Uh, there's, there's, no doubt, there's no doubt about it. So we're going to talk about Bet Online AG first. Uh, the NFL season is in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all of the action. Um, I believe the Vikings are favorites this week. Um, I don't know that Andy Dalton is coined as a starter yet. They might be waiting on that to establish a line. But if you have faith in the Vikings, you can slide on over there to uh, drop some money on them. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino that is open and it never closes. So head on, uh, head on over to betonline.ag today and take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. In 1980, George Bush Sr. was running for president in the Republican primary. Uh, He ultimately lost the nomination to Ronald Reagan. Uh, But during that primary, one of the stops was the Iowa caucus. Uh, He was not expected to win there, but lo and behold, he did. And after that victory, he declared that he had the big mo. And what's that? What that stands for is momentum. The big mo. The Minnesota Vikings have now won three games in a row, and they too have the big mo. So my first thing I want to talk about, I want to talk about the player aspect. So Bryant, do you believe in momentum in sports? Oh, absolutely. Um, and I say it can go either way. You get used to losing, or you can start get, get used to winning. And I feel like they um, are establishing the winning bug, and I just hope they can keep it going. So the winning bug, you were part of several win streaks that were even longer than this one. This one feels so awesome because we didn't think it was going to happen. We were so garbage for that first uh, month and a half. Um, So 
obviously the vibe is just different, but is there like a swagger or what is it that's different than, you know, somebody who's staring down the barrel of 0 and 5 or 1 and 10? I feel like the swag changed a little bit. I feel like um, players are getting more confident and within themselves, they feel like they're having better games. So now they're going to go out there expecting to play better and do better. Um, being, to put, being able to put, you know, three games back together, you know, back to back like that. So that should do nothing but really build your confidence. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, Mike, momentum in sports. The reason I brought this up is I was watching the Sunday games, and I think it was on Fox. They had a segment on – it was actually like some doctor who was talking about the science of momentum. Uh, so it piqued my interest. Mike, do you believe in momentum in sports? I, I do, and, and, and I think mainly because I, I just think winning is contagious. Uh, I, I grew up in Arizona, and the Cardinals were there early on. Uh, not a great winning franchise, and you could just see it in the body language, right? The fan base seemed like the players didn't even expect to win. And, um, you know, I think you see the elite teams that are used to winning. Uh, it changes everything. So, yeah, absolutely. I believe 100% momentum. Okay. Um, from Arizona, I ask of all of our guests, although I think I know the answer, but let's tell our listeners, um, why did you become a Vikings fan and how long have you been one? Yeah, so I've been a lifer Vikings fan. Uh, my dad grew up in Minnesota. And like I said, when I, when I was born in, in Phoenix, uh, the Cardinals didn't even come to town until I was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. And, and going to their games early on was kind of a joke, to be honest with you. They played <laughs> at old Sun Devil Stadium, the the stadium was half full, half the fans were for the other team. I mean, it, it was, it was crazy. And I still remember going to my first Vikings game at the Metrodome. It was unreal. All of a sudden I'm in this dome. that's all purple. Uh, I can't even hear myself talk. Uh, I'm like, this, this is a football game, right? Um, How old were you? This is a, oh, I was probably uh, early twenties when I went to my, when okay. I went to my first, first Vikings game. But yeah, I've, I've been a lifelong fan. Um, but yeah, it's it's a different different animal being a Vikings game, being, <laughs> yeah. being a Vikings fan. Right on. Well, the uh, in fairness to the Cardinals, they had quite a franchise moment on Sunday when they had the Hale Murray. I was <laughs> I was watching that. Uh, I watched football from wall to wall on Sunday on uh, Red Zone, and in a in a rare twist, I was standing up shouting over that catch. And I usually I'm pretty cynical and salty about other teams. I just don't really care about them. But when that happened, I don't, there's nothing for me to personally hate about the Cardinals. So for the most part. So when that happened, uh, it really felt like a, a sports moment that was pretty unique. Um, so I want to make sure we got a little bit of Cardinals love in there because if only for a week, they deserve that. That's uh, right. And they're different. They're a different uh, team than they were when I oh, was yeah. there. So yep, they're, yep. they're a different franchise. Yeah, they've got some momentum themselves. So on this victory at Chicago, a couple things are notable about it. Um, I wrote about it uh, pretty linked uh, with a lot of several times, I should say, uh, this week on VikingsTerritory.com. Um, it was the first Monday night victory by the Vikings um, in three years. Um, that was also the first time they've won at Soldier Field in three years. And both of those, uh, the last time they won, either one of those times was the same game. Um, this game had everything that you would expect from a Bears-Vikings game at Soldier Field. It is like clockwork that when those two teams meet in that damn building, weird stuff happens, sloppy stuff happens. Um, all you want to do is survive in advance. And that's exactly what the Vikings did, and it was desperately needed. So, Mr. Pro Bowl, Brian McKinney, what is your reaction to the Vikings taking out the Bears? It was much needed. Um, I kind of already knew it was going to be sloppy. I think me and Tommy kind of told you about how that <laughs> feels here 
Um, and then that dude hit it, that uh, Akeem Nix hurt his hamstring. I mean, I thought of Tommy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then also, I remember when I played, they always tried to say we had trouble winning outside on grass too. So that was another thing that they overcame too. Is that whole little aspect of theory? Yes. The strangely enough, the Vikings are the only team in the NFC right now that are undefeated on grass. Now it's only two games. But everybody else has a loss on grass, except for the Niners, who haven't even played a game on grass. So that's an odd fact. You can tell your friends that in a strange twist of events, that the Vikings are undefeated on grass. Mike, um, you are sometimes cynical about the Vikings. Um, so what did you think about this victory at Chicago? How impressive to you was it? So I guess real quick, uh, Brian, I was wondering if, if Hicks reached out to you and said uh, – you cost him a gold jacket because of his hamstring, right? Not at all. That was a great, uh, great take from last week. Um, you know, I, I was impressed because to, to what you just said earlier, Dustin, I mean, it, it seems like every time we play the bears in general, let alone at soldier field, um, it, it's, it's not pretty. Um, and, and one and nine sounds a lot better than Oh, and nine, right. For, for Kirk. Right. So just <laughs> yeah. ha- Happy to get that monkey off his back. Um, I was curious to see what type of a team are we. I mean, we had a little momentum going into this, and I felt like a division game on the road in Soldier Field, no matter what the records and everything, was going to be tough. So um, I was actually pretty impressed that, that we walked away uh, with the W there. Yeah, Bryant and I predicted it, and I don't know if you gambled on it, Mike, um, ultimately. Um, but I had a feeling that it was time and that doesn't mean that I think the Vikings are sprinting to the playoffs to win the Super Bowl or anything, but for this game, I was not scared at all by the Bears' offense before, during, or after, um, and it just felt like it was time that the solar system aligned a bit for Minnesota, <laughs> and it did. They scared the absolute uh, feces out of us um, towards the end there, but it got done. Right. Um, right. Br- Bryant, I want to ask you, we've done – uh, this question every podcast. Um, what is your enthusiasm about making a playoff push? Because lo and behold, it's it's in our eyesight right now. Well, I see. I'm being Green Bay and now I'm beating Chicago. Um, it's funny you don't even consider the Lions. <laughs> I, I still don't have thought. <laughs> it's just so automatic for anybody right. that's for anybody that's a first time listener. Anytime <laughs> that I ask uh, Bryant about the Lions. It's so comical because he doesn't even consider them competition. He was like, I don't think I ever lost the Lions. He's 15 and 2 against them. Of course he doesn't consider them. Yeah, it's automatic. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely feel um, they continue with the momentum. They are putting this up to actually be able to sneak into the playoffs. So, and I think they're aware of that and it's just, you know, trying to keep it going. I feel like their schedule kind of like eases up a little bit to give them that leverage to kind of possibly make the playoffs. So I'm just looking forward to see how these next couple of weeks play out. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, every sports show or website has mentioned this, but we're going to do it too. So the, the playoff format is expanded to at least an extra team. That's the new way of it. So, of course, that's going to hopefully benefit the Vikings. Um, normally it was a six-team field in each conference. Now it's seven. And if the coronavirus causes games to be canceled, it will expand to eight uh, voters excuse me, owners voted to approve that. Um, Mike, on your enthusiasm about making the playoffs now, are you still like, yeah, wait and see? Or are you like, holy crap, this team's probably going to do it? 
well, if we wait long enough, they're just going to keep adding teams to the playoff format and we're just going to make it by default, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but I, I, think, uh, I think the next few weeks are going to be telling, right? I, I do think uh, the, w- the win against Chicago was huge for a couple reasons. I think I sent this to you the other day. We now are guaranteed a split uh, at worst with every team in the division. Yeah. Um, and we currently have the best record within the division. So when you look at the tiebreakers as they start to come out, mm-hmm. um, we're in really good shape there. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, you know, we, you guys have talked about this before our next three weeks on paper, paper doesn't win, but on paper, they, uh, uh, they look good. Right. So if we can take care of business and all of a sudden, you know, uh, we're, we're looking good three weeks down the road. Uh, yeah, I think we got a great shot at the playoffs, which I would have never thought I would have said yeah. a few weeks ago. Yeah, I was, we were mostly out after the Falcons game at, and rightfully so they looked like, um, just absolute trash. Um, so we mm-hmm. were definitely out on that. Um, the only thing, and we're going to talk about Dallas here in about 20 minutes. The only thing that will will make should make us nervous is that a couple games this year that we thought should have been somewhat elementary before we knew the Colts were good. We thought we should take care of business there. We did not, especially against the Falcons, who were winless and just fired their coach. That felt like, all right, we're going to get back on track. And then emphatically, we did not. That was basically like we had hit our bottom, and we've been coming up since then. Um, back to the Chicago game. Dalvin Cook um, ran the ball 30 times for 96 yards. So in that respect, he was bottled up. He ended up having 112 yards from scrimmage. Um, So you know that you have an MVP candidate when your running back only has 112 yards from scrimmage. It was not an efficient 112 yards, but who cares? It's going to go to his bottom line um, for that individual stat total. So indeed, Dalvin Cook is in the mix. He probably won't win the MVP award because Patrick Mahomes – kind of has a stranglehold on that. I thought Russell Wilson would get it for a while. But the the moral of the story is that Dalvin Cook, even when he is not ultra productive, he is productive because he's he's keeping the defense honest and he allows Kirk Cousins to take those shots. And in this game, Kirk was damn good. He did exactly what we need him to do. He made crucial throws. And I can't really think of anything boneheaded uh, that he did. Um, so on Dalvin Cook, um, he was the recipient of a pretty large contract for a running back about two and a half months ago. In retrospect, Bryant, you're probably going to give me the player angle, and I appreciate that. Was Dalvin's contract, is it worth it? I think so. I think he's doing what he's supposed to do for the team. Um, and, I mean, it's only the first year. I mean, Yeah, as, that's a good you know, point. Yeah, and I feel like, so, yeah, you still got to let him play it out. But, you know, they had a lot of uh, things to work against, you know, with COVID and everything. But I feel like when everything is back to normal and – Everybody can train like they normally do. I feel like I feel like he'll be fine. I feel like he'll earn it. Yep, he is uh, 25 years old, so in theory, he should have about three to five seasons of this type of play. Now, there's always a chance, a pretty decent one, that this is his absolute prime year at 25. So this might be the best version of Dalvin Cook we ever see, and that's that's fine. Uh, I think uh, 95% Dalvin would work out just fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know actually where you stand, Mike, on running back contracts. A lot of the analytic crowd thinks it's silly to pay running backs anything over a rookie deal. Um, do you, at this moment, see Cook's contract as worthwhile? Yeah, I actually really do, and and, um, and I'll tell you why. So you're right. I think the running back position's weird in that it seems like that's the position that they never either get the money they want to or they never get the, the huge contracts. There's always um, contention with running back co- uh, contracts. And so, you know, out of respect for you, I didn't think you'd let me on the show unless I brought some stats together. So I pulled some stats 
together. So here, here's what we have for running back, right? So it's a five-year, $63 million one, uh, fifth highest. But when you look at the people he's compared to, you got McCaffrey at $16 million a year, Kamara and Zeke at fifteen a year, Le'Veon and David Johnson at thirteen a year, or at twelve and a half a year. I would put Dalvin with any of those guys in there, uh, and considering that he's got the lowest salary of those guys, and he's on our team, and it's for five years. Absolutely, I think looking back as as an owner, as a GM, as a fan, I, I think it's a great contract. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I also will. Um, recognize fully what Bryant said. This is just halfway through the first year of the extension. So the, the, the main knock on Dalvin is, can he stay healthy? Right. So that will be adjudicated in the upcoming years. But one of the weird things, and I think I mentioned this on the show once, and if I didn't, I for damn sure mentioned in one of my writings, is that what we on running back contracts, we always point to the bad ones. So uh, we'll look at Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell and say, well, yeah, he got all this money. Look at this. But we rarely point to the ones that actually worked out. And there have been those. Marshawn Lynch got a, a big deal. And the other thing about the – and there's more. Uh, the other thing about the salary cap is it goes up every year. So if you look in history and say, well, Emmett Smith only got four years for $12 million, well, that's because that's – economics don't stay stagnant like that. The, the cap increases every year. So in, there's no doubt about it. So far, so good on the cook deal because I, uh, sometimes there's, there's moments where I'm like, what, did, what, what was this offense without him? Like how in 2017 did we keep this ship going? When we didn't have him. It's, it, it boggles my mind at times. Um, back on Chicago, uh, one of the very pleasant things that everybody in Vikings land can um, commend is the offensive line actually looks good. Um, as soon as Ezra Cleveland, the rookie from Boise State, got in at the guard spot, all of a sudden they're cohesive. Um, they didn't really move dudes in the running game, but that's difficult to do for Chicago's front seven, as Tommy Harris talked about with us last week. So, Bryant, you quoted to me about a month ago um, that – a offensive line takes time to click and it's usually you throughout six weeks or so. Um, I want to say after this week, it will be about six weeks. So are you starting to see this group of men come together? I feel like we started seeing them come together probably two weeks ago. Okay. Um, and playing better, a lot better than they were the first four weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's about right. Um, they're playing um, together they're probably getting used to communicating and being able to get a feel for what the guy next to them is going to do sometimes without having to communicate. Yeah. And that's where the timing comes from, from your OTAs and some of your preseason games and things like that, that they missed. So now they're able to kind of somewhat catch up to that where they should have been. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, so it should be noted for anybody that doesn't follow this too intently that uh, Pat Elfline, our guard since 20 or guard slash center, uh, whatever you want to call him because they move him around all the time. He was released and subsequently picked up by the Jets. So he no longer is on the team. Um, the next pen up would be Drew Samia, who had uh, struggled in his kind of maiden voyage. So uh, the reason I bring this up is because Ezra Cleveland's on the injury report. We don't know if it's you know just something little, uh, but he did not practice today, so that's a little concerning, especially since we're starting to hit our groove. But uh, offensive line has long been a head scratcher um, for this team under Mike Zimmer. Uh, Mike, you have to be excited about what you're seeing. Um, do you have any additional insights on the offensive yeah. line? Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, I think early on in the season. It for them right and and uh, I mean they're just getting bullied and now 
now it looks like Bryant's playing it, right? And I just think, <laughs> you know, as as a fan, we we've got to figure this out. I mean, it's how how many years are we saying we need an O line and and uh, we've had so much talent on this team, and it just seems like the O line has been our Achilles heel. Um, I, even with Dalvin, right? Like as good as he is, I, I'd love Brian's perspective on like how how do how do we better use the O line with with doing things other than just running up the middle, right? Like how 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 does an o, how does an O line gel? Why do you see some of these teams that you know have these quick bubble screens and and quick plays mm-hmm. and get the ball out of the hands? And it just seems like is their O line phenomenal or do they just have better play calling? Yeah, I, I feel like it's the play calling because that allows the O line to like you can play with your stance on certain things on play action and things like that. So it allows the O line to just play with different things. And now it really makes the defensive line re- actually have to read instead of just now just firing off the ball and knowing because of what we're used to seeing, like, Oh, when they sit up like this is going to be a run. Like, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. having stuff to play around with helps out a lot. And I feel like that's one of the best years when, for me was in 09 with Brett Favre because he played with a lot of different things that kind of helped the offensive line. He played with the snap count. He played with, different formations he's played with like a lot you know we did play action he was changing plays in the huddle so he just did a lot and I feel like sometimes quarterbacks got to take that initiative and gamble you know what I mean and yeah. if it works you're the hero yeah. but I always looked at the offensive line like this uh, and I said it while I was playing I said if you want to get you a top-notch quarterback like a Maserati you need to get you a top-notch uh, insurance policy because your offensive line is your insurance policy <laughs> right right that's true but we do uh Dustin to answer your question we do look a lot better I, I I was saying this to friends of mine. I'm like, man, I don't recognize this offensive line from just even a few weeks ago. So I don't know if, you know, they're gelling, Bryant. I know you said they take several weeks to to gel or if it's mm-hmm. just we plug the right pieces in, but definitely, definitely a much better offensive line than we saw early on. A funny story about uh, what Mike just mentioned about running the ball up the middle is, so he and I sit on about the 20-yard <laughs> line on section 314, if you ever want to stop by and say hi to us when the pandemic is over. Um, there are games in that building. We usually, we do pretty darn well, but there are games where uh, usually without Dalvin, where we run the ball and it goes right into the middle of the line and it's a loss or it's a two yard gain. And what Mike will say is like, I can see it up here. Why can't they see it? Why don't they get the ball out to Dalvin in open space? Why don't they throw him a little screen pass? He's deadly uh, because there are games that uh, maybe not this year because Dalvin's been so damn good where, we will keep trying to pound it into the line of scrimmage. Uh, and it gets frustrating because Dalvin is so deadly on the edges that for, for the love of God, Mike says, like, right. get it to Dalvin out in open <laughs> space. And he'll even text me during games, like, I'm here on my couch in my underwear and I can see it, but these coaches can't see it. So Nobody he- calls me. I've been waiting for the phone call to be the offensive coordinator or the O-line coach. It hasn't come yet. And they never do it. Um, yeah. All right, so the Vikings lead the NFL in yards per play offensively, which is uh, pretty awesome, especially for a team that's only four and five. They are wickedly efficient on offense. They don't throw the ball much. They throw the ball the second to least times in the business, but when they do, they complete the most yards per pass in the league. So it's basically exactly what Mike Zimmer wants to do on offense, which is run to set up the pass. And when you have a weapon like Dalvin, it's working because uh, Kirk is, for the most part, playing a lot better um, since November began. So things are clicking on offense. Another thing of note is the rookies, um, this draft class, at least through these 10 weeks, looks really badass. Uh, we talked about Ezra Cleveland. Um, 
everybody that's a Viking fan is, you know, refreshed by his play because it's like, God, we got an offensive line that, you know, might be a staple. Justin Jefferson. That is obvious. Um, I've said on a couple different uh, shows, I was on one with the Viking Age right after the game on Monday night, that when the ball is in the air, I have absolutely no worries in the world that Justin Jefferson is going to yeah. come down with it. And I, I did have that with Diggs, too. But I, I don't, with all due respect, I don't have that with BC. I don't have that with BB for damn sure didn't have it with Treadwell. Um, but the <laughs> poise that he is showing right now so soon is incredible. Uh, Jeff Gladney is scrappy as hell. Uh, I love the fact that he he plays more like a safety at times than he does a cornerback. Like he uh, is a terrific um, run stopper and his coverage is coming along. And then DJ Wanham, he had his welcome to Minnesota moment when he ended the game in Green Bay. And now he has three sacks, which is actually outpacing Daniil Hunter in his first uh, eight career games. So this draft class is looking sexy and we needed it to because we lost so many veterans. Um, so I am ultra excited about that. Um, before we move on to Dallas, we do need to talk about the special teams. That, they were a joke. Um, they tried to lose the game to us outside of uh, turnovers from Thielen and Rudolph, who to thunk it. Those two guys would be the turnover culprits. But I could probably recite about seven things that the special teams did that made me pissed. Uh, first, it was Dan Chesena stepping into the end zone on the touchback. Now that can be forgiven. Every, I mean, everybody makes mistakes, but that was the first wave of garbage that would take place. Um, our guy Patterson took back the touchdown and the way that that camera angle set up for that, it was like, it was cinematography in motion. It was like, they, <laughs> like they knew that he was about to do that. So they followed his ass all the way to the score. Uh, and then um, KJ Osborne bumb, um, bobbled one that scared the crap out of me. Then the, one of their other kick returns, the dude took it back 40 yards at a crucial time. Then they missed extra point, which was the whole reason everybody was scared in the fourth quarter is because we only had a six-point lead. But, uh, Brian, I know you're not a special teams genius. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you ever played special teams, really, um, in that capacity. But when one aspect of a team is lagging behind, does another segment get pissed? Or is it still that kind of that, like, oh, no, they'll turn it around? You want all three phases to kind of be, you know, on their point on game. But, uh, yeah, special teams like that, you kind of feel like you're not out there that often. So it's like at least set us up in decent position. So, yeah, you are kind of pissed um, when you see that. And you kind of expect on Monday to see them get chewed out when you have the special teams meeting. Or, you know what I mean? To make these <laughs> corrections. Yeah, it was. I know a- I did. Yeah. <laughs> it was a good- <laughs> Yeah, I don't doubt it. Uh, it was a comedy of errors at times. Mike, do you have any other observations? I and I, I mean, I don't think it's uh, you know fire the coach or what the hell. I mean, I th- I hope it was just two bad games with those block punts at Detroit. But um, is there anything else that stands out on special teams that I haven't covered? No, I think you hit it all. I I have been scared at times over the years on special teams. I mean, I, I remember and I remember in '98, I was literally at an Atlanta Falcons bar watching that NFC Championship game, feeling really, really good about myself. Why were you there? I I, I don't remember to be honest with you, but uh, I I was there. Uh, I was even at TCF Stadium when Blair Walsh, yeah, freaking missed it by 80 yards to the left, kicked it into like the 20 yard line section, right? Um, and so, I, you know, I, I don't think that that has been our, our uh, specialty over the years. Uh, it was interesting to catch Zimmer on the sideline. I don't know if that's who he was going off on, but uh, the cameras did catch that. I'm guessing he was laying into the special teams coach. Yeah. So, 
yeah. probably wouldn't want to be in, in that meeting on Monday or Tuesday. No, no, that was a, that was a vintage Zimmer moment. We haven't seen <laughs> that type of fire. And I mean, I liked it. There's probably a lot of people that would be like, oh, come on, he's poor guy. But that's, that's Mike Zimmer, you know, at the peak of his powers is showing that uh, controlled rage a little bit and maybe not even so controlled. But yeah, that's Zimmer. Uh, he gets fired up like that. So a couple other things before we move on to Dallas. Harrison Smith shows no signs of regression. Um, every time I going into a season, I start to think, gosh, yeah, he's, he's 30 now, blah, blah, blah. He's 31. And he still is a staple of the, the staple of that secondary. He had, he had, so I got a question. Yeah. Do y'all still feel like the, being 30 is like now the same as it was like 10 or 15 years ago? Because I look at a lot of these athletes who are well over 30 and like, you know, I follow tennis yeah. and like a lot of the main guys on the tennis side. And then even you got some of the females, like Serena and them, they're in their late 30s and they're still playing at a high level. So do you think because of like uh, recovery and things have changed and all these different things that you have to re- help recover? Because do you still look at the same? Because I remember like, you know, especially when I first got in the league, if you're 30, especially at the running back position, yeah. you're like, okay, you're almost, yeah. your time's almost up. But I feel like there's so many more things now to help with recovery that people are taking advantage of that maybe they can push it to 35. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. Yeah. What do you got, Mike? Do you have something to add oh, on that? Yes. No, sorry. I was just saying, I, I think that's what went through my mind is the recover. I was reading an article the other day about how much Russell Wilson spends every year on just recovery. And I forget yeah. the number, but it was some insane dollar amount that he spends just on recovery. And you see this and mostly you catch it at the sexy position. It probably does translate down, filter down, you know, to some of those other roles as well. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're de- we're definitely seeing it in sports, and it's definitely applicable to the quarterback position because we're watching Brady still pretty darn good at God forty three. Um, right. Yeah. It, it, yeah. There is a lot to be said for that. That yes, the life expectancy of an athlete is um, going up. One thing I always talked about in a different sport is basketball. Is that mm-hmm. Michael Jordan? The reason he has six championships to no championship losses is because he was still at the top of his game at age 35. That season that he walked away from the Bulls in 98, he was still universally considered the best player in the league at 35. And up until LeBron James, um, 35 was a graveyard for a superstar. So now with LeBron, and I'm a um, LeBron enthusiast to the utmost, you keep, for from my perspective, you keep waiting to see breadcrumbs of his decline, but he's changed his game to be more of a point guard, um, and, you know, he's built like a power forward. Um, but LeBron has shown no signs of cratering at, at 30, let alone, uh, you know, 35 now. So, yes, yeah. athletes are indeed playing longer. I think the only exception outside of Adrian Peterson, who we had on a couple weeks ago, is running backs are like their job is to slam into dudes on every right. play. So I think that they will always, for the most part, be sort of washed up by about 29, 30. I think that's the nature of the beast. But the, the type of finesse positions um, like Brady or, I mean, some, some might argue tennis is a little bit more finesse than it is a contact sport. I think yeah. those, they've, they've learned how to train and recover to play well into their 30s. Even real quick, even another reason why, uh, you know, Dustin, I've said this to you several times, you know, get get Dalvin out in open space, right? I mean, if we can save him from, you know, just getting beat the crap out of, right, um, you know, 20 times a game and use him more like a Camara or something like that, 
you know, I feel like a guy that would take care of his body that has that speed. Uh, you, you look at AP, right? I mean, AP's still ticking. Um, he's a machine. I think I think we would see running backs go longer in their career, A, with the recovery stuff, and B, if they can, you know, get a little bit more creative on offense. Mm. Yeah, that's a hell of a point. Um, on the Dallas Cowboys, so this defense of the Vikings after the bye week has been the seventh best in the NFL by points allowed and 10th best um, by yards allowed. So a little disclaimer there, that's playing the Packers, Lions, and Bears. Um, and the Bears' offense was not to be feared. The Lions was ho-hum, and the Packers is a good offense. So take that with a grain of salt. But the defense overnight matured, and um, the cliche is Zimmer still has his fastball. So with that defense really getting to a point where you don't have to worry about it like we did the first month and a half, um, are we scared at all of Andy Dalton and his weaponry with Amari Cooper, CeeDee Lamb, and Michael Gallup? Bryant, are you scared of the Cowboys at all? Honestly, I'm not really scared of them. Um, I think that they have potential to go in here and, and win this game as well. So I don't really see – yeah, I'm not too scared of them this week. Um, excuse me, Mike, <clears throat> do, the, do the boys scare you? So, so I, in general, no. Um, I, I think you, you play the, you played this year's Cowboys 10 times and I would feel very confident in the majority of that. I, I do think this week may pose a little bit of a trap game for us. Okay. Um, for a few reasons. Number one, we're, we're riding high from our win streak. Kirk's on cloud nine for his first, you know, Monday night win. Um, we're finally coming home. The Cowboys have a poor record. Um, and as, as, as dumb as it is, the Cowboys still have something to play for, right? Oh, they're still, God, yeah. they're, they're still alive. Un, unbelievably. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They're still alive in the, in the, uh, you know, NFC least. Right. Um, yeah. So I, I think for those reasons, I'm, I, I still think, you know, we'll get predictions later, but I, I'm, I'm not overly worried, but I do think, you know, we, we should, we should keep our guards up this week. Okay. Interestingly enough on Cousins, he is undefeated with the Vikings against NFC East teams. Uh, we beat the Eagles twice, the Giants once or twice, and then the Washington football team um, last year. So he has not dropped a game to his uh, former foes. I don't know if that's uh, jinx worthy or if that's a good omen, but we'll find out this Sunday. Um, what about the fact that the Cowboys probably have the best receiving core in the NFL? They, I, I, I'll argue that they have the most talented trio. Um, it was being maximized before Prescott got hurt. That was undeniable, even though the team wasn't losing. And our cornerbacks um, are either injured um, or just too or very young. Um, Mike, do you think that the Vikings secondary in particular is up to the task of covering Cooper, Lamb, and Gallup? I do. It's been fun to watch them grow up over the last few weeks. I do think, to your point, this this is a. I, I'm glad Dalton's in there, to be honest, right? Versus uh versus Dak, right? Uh, I love Amari Cooper. I think he's a stud. And uh, I'll be honest, I really wanted C.D. Lamb in the draft. I yeah. really, really wanted him. Uh, I was really upset we didn't get him. And now I am really glad I was dead wrong. I think Jefferson is was absolutely the the pick of the draft for us. But uh, no, I think we're up to the challenge. I think uh, I think we'll do a bend not break mentality this week. Okay, um, Bryant, what you had to have played the Cowboys at least a handful of times. Give us your favorite Dallas Cowboys memory. Uh, probably the playoff game. Um, was that 09? They came yes. here. Yes. And um, and they challenged uh, 
myself and uh, Phil Lawhol, because we had DeMarcus Ware, I forget who the other defensive end was, you know, so they challenged us to kind of step up and, you know, have good games. And I look at it as I'm pretty sure that's how they should challenge a great, you know, um, test ahead of them. And I feel like once you do that, challenge those guys and let, make sure those guys step up to the challenge. I mean, it should be a good, it should be a good outcome. So hopefully that's what happens. But for us, you know, winning that game, you know, I think we had came off a bye weekend and we played them home mm-hmm. and, um, and it, it was a good game and we ended up winning. So that was, that was a great memory for me. Yeah. I, th- I think if you pulled the long, long standing Viking fans that because that was an absolute beatdown um, of Dallas, I think it was 34 to three, if I'm not mistaken, that would be I, for me. That was in definitely my top five, top ten of favorite Vikings games because it was such a <laughs> commanding victory, and it sincerely looked like we belonged in the rankings with the best of the best. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, <laughs> New Orleans came up short, or we came up short in New Orleans, but that was a commanding victory. Uh, Mike, sounds like you want to jump in. No, I was just saying. Yeah, I think from a Cowboys standpoint, the other Cowboys game that comes to my mind is what was it Moss's Thanksgiving game yep. where he just he just went off right so <laughs> yeah. um that, that was fun that was fun to watch yeah Bryant when we did our preview show one of the first shows we ever did um you talked about players gearing up to play um against Dallas like it's a heightened sense of awareness is that when you're in Dallas or is that when you're playing them in general I think playing them in general I think because Dallas's team is so like publicized as the American team and it's like <laughs> it just feels like regardless they're always seem like they have a pretty good team that sh- that's one of those teams that you always um you know are very prepared for and know it's going to be a pretty physical game and-, and just have that mindset going into it okay so even if they are kind of bottom feeding um at least when you played you'd see the Cowboys on the schedule and you'd be like oh yeah they got the star on the helmet we're gonna we got to get up for this game yeah, it was just definitely, I don't know, the Cowboys, I just feel like even when you look at the Cowboys, you look at that as like yeah. a primetime game. And yep. I, I believe the players do too. Okay. And it's just because I guess their legacy and just, you know, so much about them. So okay, that's how we look at them. Yeah, that's, and, and strangely enough, I didn't realize this till I, about Monday afternoon. We play at 325 this week and almost all Vikings hmm. games in that building are at noon. Um, so we will have on our color rush uniforms, the the purple um, with the gold letters, which are pretty sweet. Um, a couple in- interesting facts are that Dallas has the worst defense in the NFL uh, per points allowed. Nobody at all in the business gives up more points than the Cowboys. <laughs> so that's not a good uh, mix for them um, with the team that has the most yards per play in the Vikings. Um, one thing we have kind of glossed over is uh, Ezekiel Elliott. He's still a top three running back in the business, so he will need to be contained. Um, We also have familiarity with their head coach. They are coached by Mike McCarthy in this uh, floundering maiden voyage of his. Um, They aren't playing very well, but Zimmer should know all about him and vice versa. Um, And as Mike mentioned, the Cowboys are still in the playoff hunt at that uh, terrible record because nobody wants to win that division, and it's, it's pretty tragic. That's the way that it is. Um, the other couple things <clears throat> that I want to make sure we talked about, and Mike, I'm going to go to you on this one. You have had a interesting relationship with Mike Zimmer in terms of his, uh, how you feel about him as the head coach. Right now, what is your temperature on Mike Zimmer? Yeah, you and I have talked about this extensively. <laughs> um, so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, 
I, I'm torn. I, I really am, right? I mean, I, I think um, a couple things. Number one, I, I think he's an incredible coach, and I think he's an incredible teacher. Uh, I think he's got a really sharp mind, which is great for for young players uh, when they're learning how to how to you know grow up in in the business. Um, I, I, I see some things that that scare me about him, right? I mean, I, for one, I've never heard him stand up in front of anybody and say, "Here's what I can do better," right? And I've I've heard a lot of coaches like you know, Sean Payton and uh, Andy Reid, you know, I was listening to satellite radio and one of the Cardinals offensive linemen says Cliff Kingsbury says that a lot. All I hear from, from uh, Zimmer is the players need to do better. <laughs> they got to execute. Right. And yeah. I, I don't know from a player standpoint, if it's beneficial to have a coach that takes some ownership on and then just some other little things man he's just got some weird things that he does but on the flip side uh, you have to be careful what you ask for right yeah. there's a lot of leslie frazier's and brad childers is out there that uh <laughs> if you go away from somebody like zimmer you know who, who are you going to get next so i i'm i'm cautiously pro zimmer at this okay. point <clears throat> okay uh hey bryant when a uh, coach takes accountability and says i've got to do better or this is on me do players like that, or do they get motivated um, when the onus is put back on them? Players love that. Players love that, but coaches barely say it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially you know, it'll make it, you know once you like you own something, like you did something wrong, you own it. It'll make your players like really want to have your back more too, though. But a lot of times, you know, people like to point the blame and say, "Well, this is the reason why." It's like, "Hello, maybe yeah. you played a part in it too." <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zimmer comes from a Parcells school of leadership. And I don't know that Parcells was unaccountable, but I don't remember him being a uh, blame merchant on his own. And I don't remember Parcells taking a whole lot of personal flack or accountability when things went wrong. Not saying that, I mean, that's certainly not how I am in my uh, everyday life. I'm not unaccountable. But yes, you are correct, Mike, that Zimmer is pretty blunt. Let me put it that way. Uh, just like, <laughs> like Parcells was. Uh, remember when Daniel Carlson uh, missed those field goals against the Packers in 2018? They I, there was a reporter that asked him about you know was it too soon to give up on Carlson and Zimmer said like did you watch the game? You know so it's he's not he he doesn't he's not politically equipped to answer questions. Hell, he even called out the governor um, in terms of not having fans in the building. So he's he's a blunt force um, magician when it comes to his commentaries after games. Uh, we talked about Justin Jefferson's ascension to probably a top 15, top 10 wide receiver already in the business. Um, what would he need to do, Mike, to win the offensive rookie of the year? Could he pass Justin Herbert or Joe Burrow? He's not going to. Nobody's going to pass a, a quarterback. Uh, okay. what, he, what he needs to do is more touchdowns, right, yeah. I, I yeah. think. I think he's he's got three right now. Um, he's crushing it in terms of yards. He's crushing it in terms of yards per catch. Um, if, if he becomes Kirk's target uh, or breaks off a few of those long ones and he's, he gets up into the double-digit touchdown, um, uh, then I think he's in that conversation. If not, I, I, I don't – as good as he is, and I love him to death, I don't think he's in that conversation at all. Okay. Um, Bryant, um, did you watch that Cardinals game when Hopkins came down with the ball? I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did. He came down with like two or, or maybe three people around yeah. him. And um, it was a great catch. It was a lot of concentration. And I know that kind of made, you know, the opposing team feel sick. But it was it was great concentration. I mean, I feel like they gave a lot of credit to Murray, but I feel like Hopkins did, he yeah. did the majority of the work. Yeah. 
Yeah, H- Hopkins should get, in my opinion, like ninety percent of the credit for that. Right. Um, I, it, w- it was it was tremendous that Murray escaped to the pocket there. <clears throat> um, but the reason I bring this up is because, as awesome as it is that the Vikings have won three straight and put themselves back in posting contention, um, the Cardinals winning and the Rams winning games that they probably shouldn't have on paper was not good at all for the Vikings. Um, they need the Cardinals, the Rams, or the Seahawks to start encountering some losses. Um, that's what happens when you start a season one and five is you probably will need a little help unless the Vikings plan to run the table. And that would be a huge undertaking. But that brings me to my next question. Um, I know, Mike, that you're probably intimately familiar with the schedule. Bryant, I don't know if you are. Um, but, Mike, what games on this schedule – um, do you say like, yeah, we're going to lo- lose, the- lose that one. Yeah. So, so real quick on, on the six and three stuff, I think the good news we have going for us is that all those teams are going to be playing each other. Right. Cause they're all, a lot of them are in the yeah. NFC West. So, yep. so something's going to have to shake out there. I, I would think, um, you know, to, to your question, uh, you know, I was looking through the schedule, uh, today actually, and first of all, we, we've got to win the next three. We, we, we've got to do that. When, when I look at the rest of it, I think we're going to lose two more uh, as much as I hate this. Cause I absolutely love every single time we beat the saints. I, I love it. I, I think that this, the saints are though. I'm going to give us the loss of the saints and I'm going to say we, we're going to lose one of the bears or lions games. Um, uh, I, I know Bryant won't think we'll lose the lions game. So we'll throw <laughs> that one out there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but I can see you said the Bears and the Bears or the Buccaneers, but not the Lions. No, I I don't think we'll lose both Tampa Bay and the Saints. Uh, I, I I just don't. If, if we lose one, I think we'll be ramped up for the other one. Um, so I think the Saints are going to knock us off, and I think we'll lose one more division game. So finishing up at nine and seven is where I see us. That that's fair. Um, the Buccaneers are weird in the sense that they're capable of playing like garbage. Um, they've done it. At least, well, at least once for sure. We all saw that on national television on Sunday Night Football. <laughs> they looked like pedestrian, like, you know, a junior varsity type team. So they have that in them. But knowing Brady, that game was probably a galvanizing moment where that's as bad as it's ever going to get. Because it probably was the worst that it's ever gotten for him in a team sport because um, he spent so many years with Belichick. Um, Bryant, you mentioned the Buccaneers game. That's the one I'm nervous about because it's got Brady, it's got outdoors, it's got natural grass, it's not at noon. That one seems like one that the Vikings aren't going to escape. Do you feel that way right now? That's kind of how I feel. I'm sitting here looking at the schedule now, and I feel like if there was to be two games, it could be, well, out of the three, I would say the Bucks, the Bears, and the Saints, it could be two out of those three. Yeah, um, they, I don't think they would lose all three, but it would be two out of those three. Okay. Lions, definitely don't see it for the Lions, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and the Buccaneers, I just I just feel like Tom Brady knows how to manage the clock and manage his offense pretty good. You know what I mean to get himself to still keep it a close game and then get the ball, you know, in the last two minutes and, and find a way to win. Okay. That's the only, that's the only reason. But um, other than that, I could see possibly us having the Saints, but I mean, seems like we've been having the Saints number a lot lately, so it's up and down, and I look at the Bears, might want to come here for some type of revenge at home. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing on the Saints, we're also 
kind of assuming that Breeze will be better by then. He's finally mm-hmm. succumbing to that uh, 40-something bug. He was injured last mm-hmm. year five games, and Teddy played pretty darn well. Now Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill <clears throat> are going to take their crack at quarterback, and it sounds like Breeze just has a litany of stuff that's wrong with him. Poor guy. Um, so I don't even know if we'll see him, probably, <clears throat> but uh, that is kind of a question mark. Um, hey, Hey, Dustin, real quick. The thing that scares me about the Bucks schedule, it looks like they play the Chiefs, and then they have maybe a bye week, and then us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that doesn't bode well for us. Right? No, that's – you would be hard-pressed to – unless they up in the Chiefs and feel too confident. <laughs> if they up in the Chiefs – Especially and feel, if they lose to the Chiefs, right? Because then they go into a bye week and yeah, – yeah. yeah, I think the only way that would work for us is if they beat the Chiefs and feel like they're on top of the world and then take us for granted. But Correct. that would be a hell of a game, Brady and uh, Mahomes in different conferences. <laughs> All right, so that's going to bring us toward um, the end. Um, the last thing I'll say about you know looking forward at the remainder of the schedule is the margin for error is almost nil because the teams that are bunched up at that seven final seed um, are so darn good. Um, the Vikings really can't lose more than two games. And even if they lose two on the nose, they might find themselves in a position where they need help, so to speak, to get in the playoffs. If they lose three, then they have to hope for a whole, you know, other slew of dominoes to fall to get in. So the best bet is to keep winning, baby. And, um, you know, that's qu- quite self-evident. Um, so predictions, we had uh, Tommy Harris on the show and Julian from uh, Indiana last week, and we split on party lines. Um, I think, actually, Tommy talked Julian into a Bears prediction. <laughs> against, he did. Yep. He got bullied. He got bullied. He did. Yeah, well, it's kind of hard, like, one of your childhood idols is on, on the Zoom call with you. <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, <clears throat> I usually go last, so I'm going to start this week. Um, last week, I was only off by one point, um, if, you're, if you're a gambler out there listening. Uh, so this week, I'm going to say the Vikings keep it rolling and 34-24 Vikings over Cowboys. Uh, Bryant, what do you got for prediction? I'll go with the Vikings 27-21 Ooh, okay. And Mike, your final thoughts and prediction. Yeah, so I heard you guys joking last week. You guys have only got one prediction right, and I'm second to last in my confidence pool. So anything we say is probably not going to happen. Um, I'm I'm going to go 31-20 Vikings uh, this week, and um, and I, I think you know um, I, I'm just excited for the next few weeks. I, I think if we can really take care of business the way we should over the next few weeks, um, I think uh, I think we're we're sitting pretty uh, coming down the stretch, and uh, just enjoyed my time today with you guys. Uh, so I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely! Um, Thanks so, for joining. Yeah. Um, so to set the table, next week we'll have Sean. He'll be on um, to fill the fan uh, segment role with us, and then um, we'll be not on to Carolina, but we'll be hosting Carolina, and it will be a homecoming. Uh, for Teddy Bridgewater, most likely, if he's not hurt. Um, so that'll be a storyline that we will talk about. Um, but uh, Bridgewater's got to play. He had an injury scare, and we don't know what his status is of yet. Um, but as for Believe in Vikings, that's all we have for tonight. So we want to ride that momentum, the big mo, into a four-game winning streak. So, Skull Vikings.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.